I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Welcome back to the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and it is finally fall here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am so happy to have some of the cooler weather as my Alta season, or actually my USTA season, is about to get underway this week. Um, We've got our first matches actually today, and I'm playing on two teams this season, quote, seniors team, which, I, you know, how do I qualify to be on that? But apparently I do. Um, my seniors team plays on Tuesdays, and then my regular USTA team plays on Thursdays, and I've got a mixed doubles team playing on Saturdays, so it's going to be a crazy season for me tennis-wise, but I'm super excited about it, and um, I'm excited to bring you this week's podcast. We are chatting with Dennis Klaus, and Dennis just got finished running a tennis tournament in Southern California to honor the memory of my friend and his friend, Steve Johnson, who, as you all know, passed away earlier this year suddenly, and uh, so I'm excited to have Dennis on talking about not only the tournament that he ran in Steve's memory, but also his experience coaching high school tennis and why he feels that playing high school tennis is so important for our junior players. So I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. As always, if you are interested in sponsoring, I hope you'll reach out to me, Lisa, at ParentingAces.com. And, of course, I hope you'll share the podcast with your tennis community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode with Dennis Klaus. Dennis Klaus, thank you so much for joining us on the Parenting Aces podcast this week. I know you are in your car en route to Las Vegas, so please drive carefully while you chat, but we're so happy to have you. Uh, My honor. So I'd love to give our listeners a little bit of background on your upbringing in the world of tennis and what you're up to now. So maybe you can start with how you got introduced to tennis at first? Um, I was actually a baseball player. And, um, you know, I always thought I would play pro baseball, maybe. You know, the odds were probably slim. But I blew my knee out uh, playing baseball when I was 20. And um, I remember going to see the doctor, the orthopedic surgeon, and he looked at me and said, Dennis, I think you need to pick up chest. And I was devastated. So. <laughs> I was a very competitive guy, and so I took up another sport, and it happened to be tennis. And I wore this huge Joe Namath-type race, and um, I just started playing tennis. And I was, and this was, uh, let me see, I had two ACL reconstructions in the 70s and 80s, early 80s. So it was in the early 80s, and tennis was kind of booming. Everybody wanted to play tennis, and uh so I would run around the court and do that, and I'm a visual learner. So I was really fortunate with my baseball background, being a visual learner, to tennis was a little easier for me, I think, than some. And so it was just a fantastic sport. I made so many great friends. And um, and then in the mid-'80s, about I was asked to help with the Children's Hospital of Orange County tournament, the Chalk Tournament, with Vic Brayton. And Vic and I... Yeah, another guy I was blessed to have known in my life. We became very, very close, and uh, we ran that tournament for about till about 2002 when the hospital 
decided to end all event fundraising. And um, based on that background with the chalk tournament, I was somebody came to me one time and said they were ending this Grand Prix series of tennis that was started by Wayne Bryan. They asked me if I wanted to run it, and I said, I, you know, I guess. I don't know. And so we put a group together, and we started running the Grand Prix from about 1990. Uh, so we still run it. Um, we run uh, a number of charity events for wounded warriors. We run, run one for ovarian cancer research, and now we run this one for Steve. So, and we've run hundreds of hundreds of events. So that's that's kind of my background. So you mentioned Steve Johnson, and my longtime listeners are, I'm sure, very familiar with Steve and have heard the several podcasts that he and I did together over the years. And this past week, you ran a tennis tournament to honor him, and I would love to hear more about that and how it came to be. Um, we... Uh have run a tournament in October, late October for many years. And, um, I went to Steve's Memorial and I will never forget. We were, it was at orange high school, his alma mater, Stevie's alma mater, actually Michelle, his wife's alma mater. And I don't know if I mentioned it, but I'm a high school tennis coach also. So I, this will be my 23rd tennis season at Foothill high school, coaching high school tennis. And, when I walked on those courts, and I've obviously seen a lot of high school um, courts, they were the worst tennis courts I think I've ever seen. I mean, they were pretty bad. I mean, really bad. I remember Steve mentioning some time ago, he used to joke about that's where Stevie learned to play on clay because the courts were so bad. <laughs> so uh, we were we were thinking about it, and I thought, what a great idea, because Steve was not only a friend, but just great guy to everybody and really involved in junior tennis. And I said, why don't we run a tournament in his honor to keep his memory alive, number one, and number two, and, uh, donate some money back and help Orange High School uh, maybe repair some of the damage on their court. So that's how it came about. I love that idea. I have to tell you, I was at Steve's Memorial, too, and um, it was an incredibly touching Thing to see all of those high school players out there honoring him and honoring his family. I just, I, I thought that was unbelievable. Those kids all came out and um, were assisting with the event and directing traffic and, you know, providing snacks for everybody. I mean, it was, it was pretty amazing, but I know exactly what you mean about the state of those tennis courts. Yeah, they were bad. And you know what's interesting is a lot of those, those I recommended a lot of the guys on my team to take lessons from Steve. Steve gave a number of my kids lessons. And a number of those kids, the kids running the snacks and doing some other things were all Foothill High School kids. And I was I was really, really proud of them. Because what we, we try to teach them philanthropy. They they have to be ball kids and help out with these charity events and do some other charity stuff, you know, because I don't think they learn enough of that. And so mm-hmm. I was very proud that they came out and helped us at the memorial too. That's terrific. Yeah. So so let's talk about this tournament. Um, first of all, it, when it was last weekend, where did you hold it? We held it at the Newport Beach Tennis Club in Newport Beach off East Bluff. Um, Davis Cup has been held there. It's really it's really the best facility in our area to view matches, and they have the best center court. It's, it's an awesome place to uh, to hold an event. 
and they have a full restaurant, full bar, and uh, the courts are great. So the the owner is is really terrific, and he supports us hundred percent. That's fantastic. And so, who played in the tournament? Were you marketing it to adults, to juniors, to whoever? We um, it was an adult tournament, men's open only. Um, and we did have some tragedy, a little bit of tragedy prior to the event. You probably read about all the fires that took place up in Northern California. And I actually had a really good friend of mine whose home burnt down in Napa. So our major sponsor for the event, at the very last minute, had to pull out because of the fire. Um, mm. They had some damage to, uh, to their winery or whatever in the fires. So we had to scramble to do some other things. Um, and we were offering a lot of prize money in the men's open just so we would have a good draw for Steve. And so I had to call all the guys during the week and say, look, you know, uh, we don't have a lot of prize money for the men's open. And not one player dropped out because they all played. That's amazing. Well, it speaks very highly of Steve and what he meant to the people that were participating in the event. We also had a high school division. It was small this year because most tournaments don't have a high school division within their event. One of the first times it's happened. So we're going to continue that. I had a couple teams from my school play. I had a couple teams from uh, Orange High School play. We had a couple freshmen, one from up north. I don't know if you know Steve Clark, who was the, he coached at UCI, and now he's at Eastern uh, Eastern Washington. But uh, uh his son came down and played. It was really nice. That's fantastic. So so the high school event, talk about that, because that's a, a really unique feature. Yeah, we thought we would add it, because Steve was so instrumental in helping so many juniors in Orange County, and we got... It, this whole tournament came together rather quickly. Normally, you have a whole year to prepare for this type of event, and we put the whole thing together in about 60 days. So it was kind of a miracle we were able to get it pulled off. So we expect that in 2018, because um, we bought the perpetual plaque for the men's open, and it's got at least 12 spots on there, so we expect this to continue. So we do expect the high school division to grow um, as more and more people get used to um, uh, that there is a high school division, actually, in the uh, in the tournament, because most tournaments don't have it. Right. So for the high school division, they played as a team or high school kids played as individuals? How did that work? Well, we, what we did is we made this a uh, doubles tournament also. So um, we only had doubles. We didn't have any singles. I love that. And so the kids, we made, I mean, did you have a whole team we, play? No, we didn't. We only had we had four four well we had four players from Orange High School play. In addition to that, one of the coaches played. That was very instrumental. And um and then another guy came out that Steve did really well with uh his um uh with his life, kinda of turned his life around. So um so we did have some participation from Orange High School. Oh, that's awesome. And as you grow the high school piece of it, how do you envision that looking for year two, three, and beyond? 
You know, I actually, I expect it to grow, and I expect it to grow considerably, but we're going to make it. I think we'll have it be doubles only. If, if, if we do this for one weekend, uh, if we do this for one weekend, uh, it's really tough to get through singles, doubles, and everything else, and the adult divisions, the high school divisions, and everything. So I think we'll just restrict it to uh, doubles, and uh, I really expect the high school portion to grow. Oh, I do too. I think it's a phenomenal idea. And, you know, especially, um, well, I don't know, in California, do your high school teams compete in the fall or the spring? The boys are in the spring and the girls are in the fall. Uh huh. Okay. And interestingly, um, one of the different. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say that. One of the difficulties you have with the high school divisions is it was kind of an open division, so we didn't do it by like the USGA would do it, the 14th, 16th, and 18th, or you know whatever. So mm-hmm. we just we just threw everybody in at the same time, um, and that was fine. I mean, it was we there's obviously a disparity in the in some of the levels, <laughs> you know, because of that. And we may change that, but the interesting thing is we've changed our tournaments for next year to be tied into UTR, not USTA. So uh, all the all the results will be loaded into Universal Tennis Rating versus the USTA. So um, I think what what made you decide to what made you decide to do that? Oh, various reasons. Well, that's um, nice and you know, vague. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a vague kind of guy. Um, I got it. Well, no, I mean, seriously, well, though, what, what I, the, because what, I, I, can, I, I run, I run a I tournament, too, and, and ours is UTR as well. So, yes, I get it. Well, the reason we decided to do that was because the USTA ratings are really horrific. And uh, I think it's time somebody spoke up about the USTA ratings, and you know, for a period of time, I was on the FCTA board, and, and one of the difficulties is that they it's pretty much their way or the highway kind of thing. And, I, you know, I don't want to go on and on about that, but um, the ratings are really bad. I mean, they're really ridiculously bad. So uh, we decided I talked to UTR, and um, we're going to have access to their database, uh, not just uploading events, we're going to do some other things. So we're really excited about it because I think it's a fair way to rate people. And it's, mm-hmm. it, uh, and I just think for us, it'll work a lot better. I know that the juniors, you know, if you go on tennisrecruiting.net or one of those things, um, they love the UTR. And if you, if you notice that they, most of the, they look at the UTR over some of the other things. And some of the changes that have, been, have taken place in some of the junior tournaments as far as um, uh, what they do with their – Rank, rankings, um, the juniors, I think, are going to be really happy with UTR. I agree with you. I'm a huge fan, and um, the UTR folks have have been on this podcast many, many times. And, um, you know, like I said, the tournament I run, we are strictly UTR-based, and it so far has, has been very successful. And uh, they're incredibly supportive, too, from – from the tournament management side, you know, if you need assistance with anything, they're unbelievable at, at helping with all of that. So 
Um, I'm glad to hear that you're a convert. I think that's awesome. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of USDA issues, so this is going to be better for us. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, USTA and UTR have just announced that they're partnering on an event uh, down at Lake Nona. And I, I thought that was, you know, I, I was shocked when, when I got the press release um, to hear that they're actually doing an event together. But but I'm thrilled. I think that that's a really positive sign that that USTA is starting to recognize that they're going to have to make some changes and that UTR may be the right direction to head in and, you know, that they're willing to give it a try at their brand new shiny facility down there. So, um, you know, who knows what the future is going to bring with all of that. Yeah, I, uh, I think it is a positive thing. I mean, I'm not, the USGA has done some, some good things. Um, I think that they, have made some serious mistakes as far as how to build adult tennis. And that's what I do. I don't do so much junior tennis other than my high school stuff. So I hope that maybe this will will help them and it will uh, improve the quality of the kind of tennis that's available to all the players. I really do. Yeah, I think it would be great. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, a little bit more about your involvement in high school tennis and what you're seeing happening on that front. Um, I know, you know, again, USTA has has been talking a lot about trying to get high school players more involved in tournament play outside of the season and that, um, you know, it's been tough for them to engage the high school players that, you know, they play their season and then they're done and they're maybe a little intimidated by USTA tournaments and all of that. So I'm curious what you see happening where you are and um, what kinds of things you think can can help keep these high school players engaged long-term. Well, and when we had the, we used to have these uh, SCTA meetings and, and, if you have, and we would talk about this very issue. You have a captive audience of all these high school players. All, I mean, there's, thousands of them in Southern California alone. And Southern California is a really unique area. From what I understand, we're the only area of the country that plays the format that we do in high school tennis. And I tried to get that changed, but we play, uh, when you send your team out, we play three singles and three doubles. And the number one singles plays the number one guy, two plays two, three plays three, same thing in doubles. And then after that, you play one set, they rotate. So then one, if you're at home, you rotate up. So one plays three, three plays two, two plays one, and then one plays two, two, you know, that way. So you only play one set against your opponent, and you play three different sets. You can sub in. And not during the set, but, you know, after that. So Interesting. A lot of, a lot of people don't take tennis a lot of coaches don't take it as seriously. And a lot of really good tennis players say, you know, I don't need this because you know, they don't count as results. When I talked to UTR about what we do in Southern California, they were great. He said, you know what, we can take a one-set result and use that. So if that's true, that will, that will really help. Because I have a couple of kids that are going to be playing for me this year 
And interestingly, for the first time ever, I may I may start five freshmen on my varsity team, which is hard to believe. But they were really concerned whether their results would go towards anything. You know, would tennisrecruiting.net look at their results? Would UTR look at SDTA or USDA? So um, I'd really like to see them change the format to a, maybe even a modified college format um, where you would have to play not nine guys, maybe you'd have to play ten or 12, there's probably a way to do that, but it's really difficult because we're run by uh, an organization out here called CIF. CIF is runs high school tennis with an iron fist. Um, I mean, for a long period of time, we could only use one ball. We could have to use Will to switch the pen. Yeah, they. if you went to CIF, and, and in other words, you went to the playoffs at the end of the year as a team, and you didn't use the ball that was sanctioned, the, the Wilson ball, you would lose your home court advantage for your next match. Wow. They forced you to use that. And see, for me, because we run these tournaments, I donate a lot of balls back to the program just for free. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. we get a lot of new balls, and they, we were getting new balls. We, were, we, we always use ProPen. And at the time, we couldn't use them or we'd be punished. We, we had to pay for balls versus get balls free, which it, it absolutely made no sense to me. I mean, we can right. talk about the quality of the ball, but that's the preference, you know. So I'm just saying it was kind of weird. So now we switched to ProPen, so I'm a really happy guy. But um, <laughs> uh, that's, it was just kind of weird. So when I, talked, when I talked to the guy who was in charge of tennis for CIF, I said, look, would you consider – changing the format because then colleges would look at it differently. Everybody would look at it differently. Uh, the guy starts screaming at me on the phone. So, you know, it's I, I, it always makes me wonder. The reason I coach high school tennis, and there's a lot of great high school tennis coaches out there, and the majority of them do it because, they, obviously, you don't do it for the money. You do it because you hope to mentor some of these kids and, you know, help some of these kids through a really interesting time in their life, which is high school. And I, it makes me wonder whether you look at some of the organizations that deal with junior tennis, if it's if the money doesn't drive it more than what's best for the kids, that's all. And it's a shame. Well, I think that's, yeah, a very accurate assessment of what's going on out there. And, and a conversation we have often on this podcast is, you know, from the parents' perspective, because that's the the main component of the Parenting Aces audience is the tennis parents. Um, from the parents' perspective, how do you choose a coach for your child when the coaches are becoming really good at marketing, but not necessarily so great at coaching? And, you know, how yeah. do we as parents make that determination? And what are some of the things we should look for? And And we've done you know, several episodes on that very topic. And um, I think it's an important conversation to continue having. But interesting to make the differentiation between coaching at the high school level, where it truly is not about the money. Um, a lot of the coaches don't make anything. Um, and the ones that do get paid are, you know, it's a pittance. Um but that they're doing it for, for like you said, the ability to make a difference in a kid's life. And, and I think that's an important thing to, to think about as parents when we're considering whether or not to, you know, encourage, and I'm, I'm using air quotes here, encourage our kids to play for their high schools. 
you know, what is the experience going to be like? And, and like you said, you run across situations where the kids don't want to play, the, especially the high-level tournament kids don't want to play because it doesn't count for anything. And that's where I think we need to do a better job at educating both the parents, the kids themselves, as well as the junior coaches out there who are discouraging their charges from playing high school tennis. Yeah, well, until you eliminate, which you're not going to do, eliminate some of the money out of that aspect, it's never going to happen because every minute one of these really good players are off the court with them, the pro, they're not they're not making any money. So mm-hmm. they don't want them to go play high school tennis. And you know, and, and I and I honestly believe that they don't need three lessons a week. I mean, mm-hmm. they need to play matches and tune up. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a, a young man that played for me, uh, he graduated 2014, I think, or 2013. Um, his name is Stefan Dollar. Stefan is now playing for Yale. He plays number one for Yale. And he was one of the, maybe the top six kids in Southern California at the time, and he was a really smart kid also. He's a 490 GPA kid. Um, wow. He, didn't, he hardly took a lesson at all. He went out and played match play with all these, this gaggle of really good kids and went out and played all the time. And, and he was, not only was he a great kid, but he was a very good tennis player and, and really academically worked at his academics too. So I think what the coaches miss is they miss how good playing high school tennis is. And I honestly think it's even better for the better kids than it is the lower-level kids. Because, you know, you have a certain level of high school players that will come out and play during the season, and maybe that's the last time they even see their racket. But the better kids are always kind of coddled. They're always told how great they are, and, you know, they, they're, it's an individual sport, so they don't really have to learn a lot of those social skills. And I think when they're on high school tennis, when they're playing high school tennis, they learn how to give back. They learn how to get along with others. They learn how to help make others better. They learn how to get along with others. I think the high school experience is phenomenal. And I can remember that when the first year, I used to coach and then I left and then they asked me to come back in 2005 at Foothill. They were coaching in here. And I'll never forget, we went to CIF in our playoffs. And our first match was in Thousand Oaks. The Thousand Oaks from, from Foothill, North Tustin, like, a four-hour bus ride on a yellow bus. And I can tell you, my, my butt was killing me on this bus by the time we got up there. So we go all the way up there. We go all the way up there to play Thousand Oaks High School. And who do we face? We face Sam Query. <laughs> Sam. Oh, my Sam gosh. Sam comes out and beats all three of our guys. He beats our three guys in, like, 15 minutes to find. It was incredible. And he was such a nice guy. What a nice young man at that time he was. I... He came, some of the guys on my team said, hey, can I try to return your serve? And he goes, sure. And he was pounding these serves at him. I mean, it was um, it was great. So, you know, some of those kids who are really good have to take some time off to play ITF or whatever. But to not play on their high school team when they get a chance, I think it's such a shame. And I, it was, it's, and it's a shame. They, they learn so much by playing high school tennis. Right? Oh, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, one of – one of the kind of roadblocks has always been the fact that the matches didn't count for anything, as we said before. And 
UTR is making some inroads there. I mean, they're they're starting to incorporate high school matches. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, either getting the high school coach or a parent volunteer to submit results to them, and then they get it input into their system. And what I think is so cool about that is, so for the tournament kids, like you said, it's great because now those matches count. For the non-tournament kids, all of a sudden they have a rating. And if they do decide they want to play in a tournament, they can look for a UTR tournament at their level and, you know, ensure that they're going to get some good matches and not get wiped off the court or not wipe somebody else off the court, which is, you know, always a fear. So I think that's really awesome. One thing I will say that, that I hear from a lot of my followers is that, you know, one of the downsides for, the kids playing high school, the tournament kids playing high school tennis and having that count toward UTR is if they're facing players at the high school level that are much lower rated than they are, then, you know, sometimes that kind of walks around with their rating a little bit. But I think UTR is starting to make those adjustments and, you know, have a better understanding of how their algorithm needs to to kind of be tweaked to make sure that the ratings still stay accurate. Sure. But, it, you know, by the way, I've had this discussion with, I've had a number of D1 full ride college players play for me over the years. And um, I've had this discussion many times because, you know, as one kid, some kids go out there and they go, they kind of screw around with the other kids, you know. And I always tell them when they go out to play somebody like that, because it happens. Obviously, it's going to happen. Somebody might even throw up a sacrificial lamb and load up their doubles because they don't want their kids to play against your best kid. But I always tell them to be professional. Go out and blow them off the court as fast as you can. Show respect to the person that's not as good as you. And they can, so they learn. They can learn something by playing somebody at the lower level. It's not, it's not just about the tennis and the rating. It's about what they can learn by being on the court by somebody who's maybe not as fortunate as them, maybe didn't have enough money for lessons, doesn't have the right kind of racket, but you can show them the respect. And, and they respect that, 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 that a really good player is going to come out and play them right away and beat them and they're done. And they're going to come mm-hmm. off and go, man, that guy was really great. He didn't, he didn't show me up and he didn't tease me on the court, lob me, take me, and, you know, you just, you just, it's something they can learn. Some of the better players can learn by playing those players. Well, and it's also a respect for the game itself, right? I mean, it's it, you know, it's not just who's on the other side of the net, but respecting the sport and respecting, you know, the fact that you do have this ability and this talent, and that, you know, you owe something to the sport, um, you know, to give your best self every time you step on the court. Oh, that's so true. You know, we, we talk about it all the time. And the kids will come up and I go, look, you have a responsibility. And God gave you this talent. And you maybe didn't want it, but you got it. And you have this responsibility to help those other people who aren't as fortunate, number one. And you have a responsibility to support um, because you have enough talent to be really amazing. Yeah, that's a really important point, please. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think... As coaches, uh, sometimes the coaches forget that. You know, they forget that there's more to it than winning and losing, but but also these other lessons that 
these kids can can gain. You know, and the flip side of that too is is if your player is so much better than everybody else in your division, then um, then it's an issue of you know using that match time as an opportunity to try new things. You know, put put some things that you've been working on in practice into into uh, play out there and and see how it works because you know you've got the ability to eventually win the match you know even if you have a few setbacks along the way trying maybe a new slice shot or a serve and volley tactic or whatever it may be sure we do that doves a lot i mean uh, i always tell the kids and especially adults if you're you know, work on different formats, stuff you're not comfortable with. If you're not comfortable serving Aussie, then play Aussie against these guys. You know, do the stuff you're not comfortable with because you're not going to be able to practice it when you're playing against somebody really good. You have to have that match. So mm-hmm. they can learn a lot. You're right. They work on a lot of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about – I want to get back to your tournament and what your plans are for the future. You said one of the things you're hoping to do is to expand the, the high school aspect of this and, um, you know, to grow it that way. Um, in terms of sponsors and prizes and all of that, can you talk a little bit about how you went about securing sponsors for the event? Because this is another thing that – you know, I've kind of been on a bandwagon about, and that is tournament directors who don't put forth the effort to make a great event for the players coming out to play. And I think that that's, you know, it's important for for parents to understand what it takes to make a great event and, and to know how to look for those quality events for their kids when they're spending the money on entry fees and travel and hotel and all of that. Well, you know, running an event like this, and as I mentioned, we run a number of smaller events, and then we run two other charity events, one for ovarian cancer and one for wounded warriors. And running the event starts long before you have to go out and get sponsors. It's great to have sponsors, but we always ran the event basically from a player standpoint. So what would be good for a player? And you have to be really in tune as to what's happening at the desk when somebody checks in. Because if you go to most junior tournaments, you sign in, next court available, you're out. Next court, you're out, you're out. But you have to look at it a little slightly differently. And of course, we do a lot of adult tournaments. So, you know, we'll have somebody come up and go, you know, my grandmother's here from Iowa, and she hasn't seen me play. And, and is there a possibility of getting a few court? Well, we're probably not going to put her on court 11, three courts away from somebody. We'll probably try to give her some kind of court so somebody can view her match. So mm-hmm. you have to go out and get the sponsors. You have to take care of the players and think of the players first. Uh, and that goes down to the prize money, what you do in the open. And, and many times at a charity event, we've had this discussion whether we need to play pay open prize money or not. And should, shouldn't that money go to the charity? And I can tell you that that's still an ongoing discussion 35 or years later after running tournaments, and, and it can get heated. I think we've come to the semi-conclusion, and <laughs> I say semi because it's still we're still talking about it, that the pros that come out to play, most of them, 
are still active in the tennis world. Most of them, if they're not on the tour, they're giving lessons. This is how they make their their living, and a lot of them are not making $150,000 a year giving lessons. So if they're going to give up their weekend, or in some cases two weekends, to play a tournament, they want the ability to get some money back. And you want to have the best event possible because the, the other adults that come out, and even the juniors that are involved with your event, they want to see good play. They don't want to come out and see, you know, uh, no offense to the 3-5 women, but, you know, my guess is they would like to come out and see some really, really good open doubles play. For instance, on, in our tournament for this for this last term for Steve Johnson event, we had one team, one guy was 17, and he was playing with his coach who was from Korea. They used to be 35 in the world. Wow. Playing against a guy who, Rylan Rizza, who uh, his UTR is 13, and his partner, who plays for LMU, who his UTR was 12, uh, 13 in doubles, I think. And the kids that got to, to watch the match and the adults that watched the match, we had a really great crowd that day, were amazed. I mean, it was as good as any tennis that you could see anywhere. It was as good as Indian Wells. So um, you want to be able to give that back to the to participants, not just be about to play, but you want to give them good matches to win. So to do that, you really have to pay some prize money. As I said, we didn't pay for much prize money in this last one because we had secured a major sponsor, and that sponsor, you know, with the fires went away. So mm-hmm. when that happens the last week of your tournament, you have to go. <laughs> you have to go in another direction. Um, as it was, we wanted the, the players all to have a great player gift. We didn't want to dog it on that, so I actually went out and bought the shirt. So um, we we made sure that the player experience was still really good, um, even though we couldn't give the prize money. As I mentioned, the the uh, the open guys all played anyway, even though the prize money was smaller than normal. They were awesome. So. Well, and that um, speaks very highly, again, to – a, their respect for you as the tournament director, and B, their respect for Steve Johnson. Yeah, Steve Steve was so well-respected in the tennis industry here. You know, one of the guys that played in the semis lost a really tough three-setter. Uh, he used to coach with Steve, uh, Tony Bouillon. And I don't know if you know Tony, but he's a... Uh, Terrific guy, uh, nationally ranked in the seniors now. But you know, Steve did some really good things for him as he was uh, starting his coaching career during his coaching career. I mean, these guys really feel that they need to get back to Steve. So, uh, and it, it was really a great event from that standpoint. Well, Dennis, congratulations to you on that, and um, I look forward to hopefully getting involved in the future ones. I didn't find out about this one till. <laughs> last minute but as it turned out I was not too far away from where the tournament was taking place um so next time I'll you know hopefully with some advance notice I can be out there and and cheer on the players and just be a support for the event but um do you have dates yet for 2018 or are you still in uh, decompression mode well no we we, well we don't have dates but we have talked about we were up against another USTA tournament that same weekend that mm-hmm. we used to run for various reasons we don't. So uh, we're thinking about possibly changing the dates uh, so that it would be more in tune with Stevie's schedule. 
Stevie was in Europe, and he really wanted to be there, but he couldn't because uh, obviously he was still playing in Europe. There's a there's a gap right after the U.S. Open, uh, a couple week gap, and we're thinking maybe we could do that so Stevie could be at the event. Um, and I'd like to talk to him about that. I'd like to talk to Michelle about that and see if we can work something on Kendall. Stevie's fiance was there all weekend. She was awesome. And uh, so we're not completely sure about the date yet. We're definitely running the event. Um, but if we can work it out with Stevie's schedule, I'd like to do that uh, so he can be there. That would be phenomenal. And I know that would be, I mean, especially for the high school kids that play, that would be just super cool to have him available to to talk to yeah. and, you know, just to see him there. That would be really neat. So I hope that works out. I uh, hope y'all are able to make that happen. Yeah, I hope so. We're going to do our best. But either way, Fantastic. we'll have another great event next year, and we expect it to grow. Well, whatever we can do here at Parenting Aces to help make that happen, I hope you'll let us know. And um, congratulations on a great inaugural event. And, and I know the family is so pleased to see Steve's name, you know, tacked up at those high school courts and know that the community is standing Lisa, behind that. Lisa. Yep. You know, thank you. Thank you so much um, for talking today. And uh, thanks for all you do. You do some great things. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, drive carefully, please, and uh, get there safely. And uh, I'll look forward to staying in touch as as you get uh, the planning underway for 2018. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. To my listeners, thanks so much. Thanks, you too. To my listeners, thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you'll join us next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, visit us online at parentingaces.com. As always, a huge thank you to our sponsor, TennisBalls.com.